0: amen. All right, so we finally made it to the last sermon in this Letter of John series. woo <laughs> Twelve long weeks ago, I stood up in front of you, and I'm like, we're going to do this sermon series that's going to be called Not Your Normal Dear John Letter. Right, And we talked about what a Dear John letter was. Most of you already knew, but for those who can't remember that far back or don't know the term, it's a letter that somebody at home sends a service person who's stationed overseas essentially breaking off the, the, the relationship. And those aren't good letters to get. I never got one, and I don't know if any of you have. If you have, I apologize if I'm bringing up old wounds. Um, After that service, 12 weeks ago, and this is too bad that Mike and Debbie aren't here, Mike came up to me and says, hey, I don't have a Dear John letter, but I've got a letter that my mom received about my dad while I was in the war, or while he was in the war. And he said, I'll get you a copy in case you want to read it. Well, it's fantastic. And again, Mike and Debbie, if you're watching this on your cruise, I'm sorry to do this while you're gone, but this is a great letter, okay? Letterhead from the War Department uh, not a great letter in a content, but uh, dear Mrs. Stevenson, which must have been Mike's grandma. He's not here to correct me, so it was Mike's grandma. <laughs> I'm sorry it was necessary to send my recent telegram, which this letter is confirming. Your son, Private First Class William L. Crouch, was seriously wounded in action on July 12, 1944. Excuse me, 12 July, 1944. Theater commanders are instructed to submit to the War Department periodic reports of progress, and accordingly you will be kept informed of his progress promptly as these reports are received. However, as I'm sure you will realize, such reports must of necessity be brief, and therefore will contain information on his condition, will, therefore will, here we go. therefore will not include information concerning the nature of his wounds in case of wounded, in the case of the wounded personnel. I can assure you that our hospitalized soldiers serving overseas are receiving the very best medical care and attention, and it is hoped that a favorable report in his case will be received in the near future. Knowing your desire to have a letter reach him as soon as possible, you should use the following temporary address until a change of address is furnished by him or this office and so advise all interested relatives and friends who might also want to write him. And then there's the address. Sincerely yours, J.A. Julio, Major General, the Adjunct General. Wow, right? I like this letter. Not because of its contents, right? You don't want to hear of somebody uh, getting injured. Uh, but I like it because it's short, It's succinct. It's actually, honestly, and I counted, very similar in number to the amount of words that Third John has and that that letter has, so it worked out fantastic. Uh, Now, we could take this letter and we could try and read between the lines, right? I wonder what the the weather was like on the day this this letter was written. I wonder what the major general was feeling about the war efforts while he penned this. I wonder if he was proud of Private First Class Crouch. We could try and do that, but would it be reading deeper into the letter than we needed to? Perhaps. I wonder if at times we approach Scripture in a way that we are trying to dig things out that maybe just isn't there. Maybe at times we just need to read it for what it is. And 3 John is a letter. Let's pray. God, thank you, as always, for a chance to open your story to us. I pray that as we look at this short letter, that you would say to us what you want us to hear, whatever that may be. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, go ahead and grab your Bibles uh, or your phones, your apps, whatever you're using to to open up God's Word, and turn to the letter of 3 John. If you are in your Bibles and you're flipping, you're more than likely going to miss it because it is literally the shortest book in the Bible, 219 words. Now, it's not going to help at all, but in my Bible, it's on page 1,445. Again, won't help you guys at all, but it does for me. Uh, I'm going to lay my cards right on the table. I'm approaching this letter as just that, a letter. Yes, we could dig deeper. We could find some deep and profound truths in here. We absolutely could, and pastors have been doing this for the last 1,900 years. This morning, I'm going to take my own advice from last week, and I'm going to keep it short and simple. So that's what we're going to do. In the first letter that John wrote, uh, it was written to a church or churches in the region of Ephesus. The second letter he wrote, he kind of narrowed his focus down a little bit, and he wrote to a specific church, to uh, the, the lady, the chosen lady and her children, which was code for a specific church and the members of that church. He even said he met some of those members. Today in this third letter, he writes to somebody in particular, one person. In particular so follow along with me i'm reading uh third john verse one this letter is from john the elder i'm writing to gaius my dear friend whom i love in the truth gaius anybody know who he is raise your hands anybody no 1900 years of people trying to figure it out and i was hoping you guys would know Bottom line, we don't know who this is. But if we keep reading, maybe we'll get a clue. Again, back in verse 1. This letter is from John the Elder. I'm writing to Gaius, my dear friend, whom I love in the truth. Dear friend, I hope all is well with you, and that you are as healthy in body as you are strong in spirit. Some of the traveling teachers recently returned and made me very happy by telling me about your faithfulness and that you're living according to the truth. I could have no greater joy than to hear that my children are following the truth. Okay, so there's this guy named Gaius. We don't really know who he is, but from the beginning part of that letter, we can deduce that he's a friend. He's a friend of John, perhaps a dear friend. My my Bible says dear friend. Some of yours probably say beloved. All right? Uh, Yes. A lot of scholars will say that was a standard greeting in letters back then. But I actually think there was more to it. I think John knew this guy. Some will say he's just an acquaintance. You know, John heard of him and wanted to write him a letter encouraging him. But I think there was more. See, John asks about, he says, I hope you're doing well, body and spirit. So maybe he knew he was having physical ailments. Maybe he was touching base with him on that. Whatever the case, John was very excited to hear that he was following and living in the truth. And he talks about no greater joy than hearing his children are doing that. So it's possible that Gaius was a convert that John had led to Jesus and was watching him grow up. That's possible. We don't know. You're going to hear me say, we don't know a lot today. All right? I think that we're listening in on a loving discourse, a short postcard between a guy and another person who they have a good relationship with. And as such, it's appropriate for John to give this big pat on the back to Gaius. Let's keep going. Verses 5 through 8. Dear friend, there it is again, you are being faithful to God when you care for the traveling teachers who pass through, even though they are strangers to you. They have told the church here of your loving friendship, please continue providing such teaching in a manner that pleases God. For they are traveling for the Lord, and they accept nothing from people who are not believers. So we ourselves should support them so that we can be part, so so that we can... (laughs) <laughs> there we go again. So that we can be their partners as they teach the truth. You guys know what this is? This is an attaboy. You ever heard that phrase? This is an. A- Everybody needs an attaboy every now and again, don't they? Everybody needs a sticky note on their dote on their on their desk that says, "Hey, I noticed you did that. Good job." Everybody, uh, even James, likes the occasional random Starbucks gift card. This says, I noticed you were doing this, well done. Please don't send me a whole bunch of Starbucks gift cards. <laughs> I'll use them, but I'll just, well, I'll know you were listening. Everybody needs that way to go. And that's what I see John doing here. To his friend Gaius, he says, thank you for showing hospitality. Thank you for doing this to random travelers. Some scholars think these were just Christian businessmen passing through. Other scholars think they were just random Christians. Still, in the translation that I read, a lot of people make it seem like these are traveling missionaries, itinerant teachers or preachers. Either way, John says to Gaius, attaboy! You're doing great! You're opening up your home to people you don't know. They're telling me about it. Keep it up. Keep doing it. He says, it pleases God, and besides that, they're not expecting money from anybody else, so you're partnering with them. He gives them He gives John and and Gaius gives John gives Gaius an air high five. Let's do this, okay? Ready? Air high five? You guys thought I was done like doing hand motions last week. Remember those, right? All right. Air high air high five again. Yeah? That's what John said. John, you didn't do it. Nice. Thank you. Appreciate that. Um, (laughs) where was I? Air air high five. John Gaius was John was giving Garrison. (laughs) one more time just for the fun of it all right there we go it's possible that Gaius would have known the words of Moses from the book of Leviticus chapter 19 treat them like native-born Israelites he was talking about people who were not part of their community passing through love them as you love yourself remember that you were once foreigners living in the land of Egypt I am the Lord your God it's possible that Gaius knew that Now, it's possible Gaius also had heard of a guy named Paul, who 70 years earlier was writing a lot of letters, one of which was a letter to Rome, in which he wrote this. When God's people are in need, be ready to help them. Always be eager to practice, say it with me, hospitality. That's what Gaius was doing. It's also possible that if John and Gaius were good friends, that John, one of Jesus' best friends, had said, hey, another one of Jesus' best friends, a guy named Peter, also wrote a letter. Listen to what he says. First, Peter chapter something. There we go. Chapter 4, verse 9. Cheerfully share your home with those who need a meal or a place to stay. It could be that Gaius was very familiar with those writings with the scriptures, or it could just be that Gaius was a really good dude. Some people think that Gaius' house was like right here, and there's a major city with a church in it here, and a major city with a church in it here, so this is the the logical place to stop. It's like Gaius' bed and breakfast. Some people think that. I just think he was a nice guy. So John says to him, you're doing great, boy. right? Keep partnering in their work with them. Partnering. When have we heard that phrase before? I know, it like, it's like 168 hours ago. Think all the way back to last Sunday. Whew. John writes this letter, and he says this in verse 10 and 11 of 2 John. If anyone comes to your meeting and does not teach the truth about Christ, don't invite that person into your home or give them any type of encouragement. Anyone who encourages such people becomes a partner in their evil work. Come on, John. Make up your mind. Partnering. Right? In one letter, John's saying, don't do it. In another letter, John's giving it a high five because he's doing it. That's a shift. Now, speaking of shifts, we keep reading in the letter. This a dramatic shift following a high five from John to Gaius, we get to verse 9. I wrote to the church about this, John says, but Diotrephes, who loves to be the leader, refuses to have anything to do with us. When I come, I will report some of the things he is doing and the evil accusations he's making against us. Not only does he refuse to welcome the traveling teachers, he also tells others not to help them. And when they do help them, he puts them out of the church. Whoa. Kind of a quick turn, right? From high fives to, here's the next one, do it with me. Don't do that. No, you're like, do that. Bob, that's what this says. Don't do that. Why would John include this in this letter? he's writing to his friend Gaius? Why would he include something like this? Who is this Diotrephes? Anybody know? Ah, again, I was hoping he would because 1,900 years and nobody has figured it out. Some people think he was a member in Gaius's church, the church that Gaius pastored. We don't know if Gaius pastored a church, so it could have been that, could have not been. Some people think he was a member in a different church. Guys in a church here, Diotrephes in a church there, and, and Diotrephes is reaching for power, so could be that. Some people think, you get the point. We don't know exactly who this guy is, but we do know that John has some harsh words for him. This is not a section of, hey, give me a high five, buddy. It's a section of this. So what was John's rub with Diotrephes? It seems like the first thing, the first reason he had a rub was that this guy was reaching for power and leadership maybe when he didn't deserve it, maybe when he wasn't ready for it and he wasn't willing to put himself under spiritual authority. We see that in verse 9. I wrote to the church about this, but Diotrephes, who loves to be the leader, refuses to have anything to do with us. Listen, let me remind you, John can't really throw stones at people who want to be leaders. You remember what he asked Jesus Whoa, make that, let that sink in. Mark chapter 10. Listen to this. John had a brother named James. All right, Mark chapter 10, verse 35. Then James and John, the sons of Zebedee, came over and spoke to Jesus. Teacher, they said, we want you to do us a favor. What's your request? He asked. They replied, when you sit on your glorious throne, we want to sit in the places of honor next to you, one on your right and one on your left. We want power. We want recognition. We want prestige. In Matthew's account of this same story, it was actually James and John's mom who asked for that. When John wrote this account, John left it out of his story. But I think he probably learned his lesson because right off the bat, when he sees somebody reaching for power that they maybe weren't ready for. He was pretty quick to say, wait, don't do that. And it looks like it's more than just that. John says, I'm going to tell you more when I get there, but he's also spreading some pretty mean things about us. He's, he's, he's saying some, some rumors and some allegations, and wait, catch this, everybody go, oh! Oh! he's not doing what Gaius is doing, which is opening his home. He's not doing it. In fact, he's worse. He's telling people don't to do it, and when they do it, he kicks them out of the, the church. That's bad. Let me play a little devil's advocate for a second. What if Diotrephes had read John's second letter? You know the part I just read about not partnering with evil and not welcoming the false teachers into your home? What if he had read that letter and was taking it serious, and he believed That these teachers that were traveling from point A to point B were false teachers? What if he was just doing all he could to listen to John? Could be. We don't know. Just something to chew on later tonight when you're having taken your afternoon nap, gone to the hymn singing, and then sitting there wondering, like, what was James talking about? Whatever the case, Diotrephes wanted to be a leader wasn't listening to spiritual authority, was spreading rumors and nasty allegations about John and the rest of his teaching crew. We still tracking together? Okay, we're looking at a short letter, reading it at face value. That's what we're doing. You've got John giving Gaius a high five. Go ahead, do it with me. That's right. You didn't do it, man. (laughs) All right, everybody's going to wag their finger now. And then John goes on to diatrophies and go like this. Jim. <laughs> and then we, then we get to the next part. All right? John says, the guys, you choose. Who are you going to be? Verse 11. Dear friend, don't let this bad example influence you. Follow only what is good. Remember, those who do, remember that those who do good prove that they are God's children, and those who do evil prove that they don't know God. Pretty straightforward. John says, the guys... Be a good example. Keep doing what you're doing. Don't follow the other example. For the people who do the good example are obviously children of God, and people who don't are not. That's basically what he says, and then he just keeps going, and he introduces a new character. Verse 12, everyone speaks highly of Demetrius, as does the truth itself. We ourselves can say the same for him, and you know we speak the truth. Who is Demetrius? Wait, wait, I know this one, okay? I know this one. Demetrius lives three, three blocks down from me. He's got a son who's the same age as J.J. He coaches hockey out in Post Falls, and his wife works for Southwest Airlines. That's Demetrius. Now, who's this, who's this Demetrius? Anybody? Ah, again, 1,900 years. Nobody knows. Most scholars believe, and it's probably a fair guess, that Demetrius was the guy who John said, here, take this letter to Gaius. And he was a stand-up dude. He was a guy that he could be trusted. That's very clear and evident in here. And what's also clear and evident is that John did not have very much uh, finger, like pen, paper um, endurance. Because he just ends the letter. I have much more to say to you, but my fingers hurt. And I don't want to write it out with pen and ink. The fingers hurt part and weren't in there. Just making sure we're on the same page. I wanted to call you, but I thought I might call in the middle of church. (laughs) You got to love it when that happens. (laughs) All right, sorry. I'm supposed to be, I I told uh, Tessa this morning that I was always real serious from 9.30 to 11 on Sunday mornings. Not always the case. Verse 13, I have much more to tell you, but I don't want to write it with pen and ink. I hope to see you soon, and then we will talk face-to-face. Peace be with you. Your friends here send you their greetings. Please give my personal greetings. In your text, it's going to say, greet by name each of our friends here. Just another bit of writing that to me says John knew this guy and knew him well. Greet by name. If John was writing to Gaius today, he would say, I don't want to do any more Zoom calls. I don't want to send you another email. I don't even want to text you. Frankly, letter writing can be hard. I'm coming over. Keep the guest room ready. Put some extra water in the pot of stew. what he says. It's a letter. Pretty straightforward, right? There is my my question I ask, hopefully at the end of every sermon. So what? What do we do with this? Should I stand up here and tell you... That this is God's way of saying you should welcome people into your home who you don't know, who claim that they are Christians, maybe, if that's what God's telling you to do, then listen to him. Should I tell you that maybe this is God's way of saying don't be mean to church leadership and make sure that you are not reaching for authority that you shouldn't get yet and and that You know, don't be a power grabber, maybe. If that's what you need to hear this morning, then listen to God saying that. But again, I want to keep this pretty straightforward. John wrote a letter. Why can't we write letters? Right? Anybody ever wrote a letter before? There'll be like three of you that didn't because you were born under 2010. Okay, good. A couple of you wrote letters. So here's, here's what we did. And sometimes we do something wild, crazy, wacky, a little bit like that. Um, I asked Hannah to develop some postcards, all right? On one of these postcards, it says, you're doing great. That's John's high five to Gaius. On the back, it, it says, just want to drop in and say hi and a little bit of a note right there, okay? Big old stack of these. On the other postcard, I said, hey, there's two parts to that letter, Hannah. We gotta have another one. Don't do that. (laughs) We're gonna hand these out. (laughs) Uh, Whoever can move quickly, just be ready because I might ask for volunteers. Um, I wanna just give us a chance to write a letter because when at the beginning, when I was talking about everybody needs just a random note, Several of you are like, yeah. And maybe you know somebody that could use a random note. Maybe you've been encouraged by somebody who you could encourage then in return. Maybe you've seen somebody doing something that you know they're doing it for the Lord and they're not going to ever ask for play, praise or applause, but you can say, hey, I noticed that Gabe, you were holding the door like nobody's business this morning for all the people that walked in. And I want you to know how much I appreciate your friendly demeanor when you walk in. You may be nine. How old is he? You may be nine years old, but you are doing a service for the kingdom. You send a, don't, that's my letter. Don't send that one. Okay? (laughs) If Gabe gets 90 letters like that, fantastic. Put them in a scrapbook. Um, Make it worth it. Don't just say, hey, good job. Because they don't know what, what they're doing good for. All right? If you really think you need to write this letter, the don't do that letter, I want to make sure you've already tried to address whatever you're trying to address in a postcard. I want to make sure you do it in a way that uh, is kind and won't scare people away from Jesus or the church. And frankly, you should just send this one to me so that I can proofread it and file it in a round file cabinet I have under my desk. Okay? But we will give you this if you ask for it. But if you don't ask for it, we'll give you this stack. Does that make sense? Practical and tangible. Sometimes we walk away with, man, that was so hard. Today we're going to leave having accomplished what the sermon should accomplish. We're going to write a letter. Is there any questions? You should have a pen in the pocket in front of you. I need a couple people who are really fast or at least mobile enough to get around to all the people in here um, who can come and help me hand these out. Um, I tell you what, I will walk around with this one so I know who's grabbing the don't do that one. You guys uh, go ahead and... Share some, pass those out. Linda's gonna pray for a little while. Play. Linda's gonna play. Once we have a chance to write, I'll come back up and pray. Okay?